1: Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, We have been talking to Reverend John Stone all this week. Uh, This is our Friday show, so we're wrapping up our conversation with him, and I'd encourage you to go back and uh, just hear a lot of the the wisdom John has given about uh, pastoral ministry, a lot of application there for uh, those who are in volunteer ministry, uh, youth ministry, uh, adult ministry, whatever. Uh, There's some application there. And uh, John, something you've mentioned a couple of the days is uh, something about counseling. Um, and that's come up. I know we had you on the podcast prior to this, um, and I can't remember those episodes, but we can uh, try to communicate those uh, to people who are wanting to go back and find those. Um, But yeah, you've mentioned counseling, and so I just wanted to give you, I know people think very differently about counseling. There are different approaches to counseling. Um, We want to give grace and freedom uh, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to think differently uh, in that regard. But uh, w- what are some thoughts you have about counseling? And I guess maybe why would you say if you're in ministry, you should be in counseling? Um, maybe that's a good place to start.
0: Well, yeah. And there's a letter coming with that statement, but I think, <laughs> I think John, here's what I would say. Um, and I want to, I want to echo what you said. I'm using the word pretty broadly. Um, when I say you need to be in counseling, I mean certainly there are people listening who are in counseling and have very specific reasons that they are there that are helpful. But here's here's what's probably missing in the church. So the church is a real thing. It's a divine thing. It's an eternal thing created by Christ. But for whatever reason, especially in the West, but I think probably everywhere, the church is a place can be a place where we don't feel free to talk about our own stories well. And if you so going back to the first Monday, discipleship really helps you process your story and and grow into maturity. Your story, who raised you, um, who taught you, who coached you, um, and, and the hurt and the joy, the joy and the hurt they brought into your lives are the number one predictor of what your ministry is like. They're the number one factor of how you think about parenting, how you think about marriage, who you married, um, how you go to church, where you go to church, Everything you do comes from your story. And, and the, this isn't a counseling thing. I'm saying this is a Bible thing. You're a sum total of God's providence to you. God's providence to you is both glorious and dark. And uh, that darkness comes out of sin and, um, or it comes out of a story like Job. And, and I'm, I'm going to this link to say when you've not honestly processed your story, you're going to struggle in ministry, and I don't have – I mean, it's not obvious, but you're going – because you are afraid to help others process their story. And I would argue you don't really know how to help them process their story because you haven't processed yours. So, so why would I say this? If you look at the Apostle Paul, for instance, as he writes in the New Testament, it's at the end of his life where he says – but I'm the chief of sinners. He says that at the end. In other words, he has grown in his own understanding of his sin and of sin around him and grown in his own understanding of his need for Christ and good counseling, which may have to help you, for instance, go back and say, why am I so mad about my parents' divorce? Why is that divorce on my mind every day? That may be the thing that you're going to talk about is, is that it then helps you understand how sin's in you. So I think that when I say people need to be in counseling, there needs to be an environment that is absolutely safe where they can say anything and feel anything freely. Because in Christ, we're made free. And and from that, begin to process the truth about your story. And process the truth about what's going on with you. Um,
1: so, uh, jumping in that just right away, and you might have some some thoughts already, and you might be headed in that direction. If, if there's somebody out there listening to you and they're thinking, "Man, I want that. I want this environment," um, are you saying? they they can't necessarily get that inside the church because of warning of being that open with ruling elders or whatever. Are you saying they should go out to, you know, a counselor to get this or how, how would they go about trying to foster that well, environment within the church?
0: I generally get pretty technical here. So I, I, part of the reason I would say to ministers more than I will the average layman you need to be in counseling is it's very hard for a minister to be discipled. And for me, and discipleship, again, it's you know—it's us learning more and more about the Bible, studying the Bible, preparing lessons, walking with Christ, feeding on his word. But you don't really have anybody in a church as a minister who is equal to you intellectually. I, I don't mean you're not, not smart like you got these. We got a particle physicist in our church. He's smarter than everybody. I just mean you don't have people who are professionally in the word in that way. And you need somebody who can really help you work through what's going on with you. So I think I should have said this on Monday, and maybe you want to even go back and retape this. The heart, one of the things that takes place in discipleship is we enforce objectivity on you. So let me give you an example. I'm dealing with some parents right now as they, as they how they relate to a, a child and they are crushing this child. I think they're crushing the child, and all their friends think they're crushing the child, and they literally think they're giving the child ultimate freedom. So it's really confusing, John, because by all objective standards, they're putting more rules on the child, the child's rebelling, and they think because they didn't make the child do this one thing, they gave him freedom. So finally some some of us just went and said, you're about to lose your child. And this one you know, this one parents who were with us were able to say, this is what we did to our teenager. This is what happened. You're going. And we were enforcing objectivity on them. So most ministers don't have enforced objectivity. Right. I know this is a kind of. So John Parrott, you don't have enforced objectivity in your life very much. Enforced objectivity is where you're forced to not be the leader and someone else gets to tell you what's really true and observe who you really are. And in places like really good one-on-one count discipleship or in professional counseling, you're basically paying somebody to give you, to give you objectivity. And if any of you who've been to counseling or have not, this is my wife and I to this moment, we were in counseling and we went to counseling both waiting for the moment when the counselor would turn on our spouse and say, you know, Marissa, you're really the whole problem with this marriage. And Marissa's waiting for me, John. You're really the whole problem with this marriage. Like we literally both had that thought that the counselor will side with me against my spouse. And I'll and the counselor actually one day stopped us and said, stop. Neither of you really cares if your marriage works, and y'all have got to decide if you care because I can't help you. And at that moment, this woman just spoke wisdom to us, and she was right. It was very sobering. Um, it was very hard to hear. But we really, at that point, were being discipled by this woman where she just said, y'all are not trying. Um, and so I use this language a lot because ministers are disappointed, they are lonely, they are scared, and they're burnt out. And when I say the church isn't a place you can get that job, I don't – please hear me in a way I'm not normally heard of. That That is very nuanced. I don't mean that no teaching elder or no older man or woman couldn't hear that. But it can be helpful for a minister in particular to have a place where you can go and say, man, I hate this one leader in our church. You're the only person I can tell this to, and I need you to help me decide why I hate them. I need you to hear why, like, you need this place where you're working your story out. That's discipleship, where you're understanding your story, but where someone is speaking back into you real words of truth that help you begin to see your own sin and your own struggle. So the reason I think that can be hard for a pastor, youth pastor, assistant pastor, head pastor in a church is, there would be some things you would say, and I don't mean I'm having an affair, I'm stealing money. There would be some things you would say that could really endanger your job that probably need to be said, but actually probably don't need to be said to somebody in the church. Like, Like this committee has always been led by Bill, and Bill is a tyrant, and Bill is hurting people. We all know Bill's hurting people, and why won't anybody take that on? That can't be said always and be safe. By the way, that's a completely made up. I don't know Bill. (laughs) That wasn't even a reference to a real thing. But in in what counseling does is it gives you that place. Like sometimes, Sean, you need to say something, and when you hear yourself say it, you're like, Oh, good grief, that's bad. (laughs) Like, ooh. Now that I've said it, I can repent of it. Or sometimes you need to say something and go, No, I'm right about that. And I need to step into that. I need to lean into that. And that's just not, I mean, I wish that was the way my church worked, but it's not. But I'm in a great church. Yeah, it seems like so
1: much, and tell me if, if you agree with it, so much of ministry is internalized, and we're just churning things around in our hearts and our minds. And like you're saying, just getting a place to where you can voice it, once you get it out of your heart and your mind, you can actually hear what it sounds like. And sometimes, like you said, you can think, wow, that's horrible. Um, or other times it's like no, that, that's right, and I need some, you know, vindication for this or, or whatever. And so, do you do you sense that that people in ministry are internally process a lot and are living in their minds a lot?
0: Yeah, and I think that we're all, whether we're introverted, extroverted, uh, whether we're external guys or internal guys, we all we're all a bit perfectionistic as pastors, and we we just feel the need to have our stuff together and we're haunted by and this is real versus like those of us who teach we judge more harshly and so we're more likely to suppress our wife in church so that we don't quote look bad we're more likely to be harder on our children in church because of people's perceptions and that and often that's coming from us and not the church. The church might say, "Well, we're fine if your daughter doesn't come to church. If she's not a Christian, you may not be fine that she's not a Christian." But like, your church may be okay at that. But there's just this pressure um, in the evangelical West on what a pastor ought to be. And by the way, John, I'm not sure. It's, I'm not sure the pressure's wrong. Certainly, I will be judged more more harshly. The scriptures say, and certainly I ought to walk in an appropriately holy way. But I am still at my core being a human being who's deeply broken and who has been broken by others and is being broken by my present job and by my present family. And I need someone to disciple me in that. So I think for me, helping ministers get to a place where they can process their feelings and process their emotions safely in a way that helps them become more holy is what I'm after in counseling. That's why I think people need it. Again, I don't think – I I don't see most people's seminary experience being a place where they have to think as deeply about themselves and their stories as they need to. And now you're 33, and you've got three kids. You have everything you wanted, you're ordained – your youth job is great, and you are miserable, and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. You have no idea why, and you're afraid if you tell somebody you're miserable, they'll fire you or they'll be disappointed in you. You need to find somebody where you can say, "I'm miserable. Help me." Mm-hmm. That's often a counselor.
1: And and I think you're getting at. I'm thinking of um, you know, Paul David Tripp's dangerous calling. Um, And him just years ago uh, speaking, and and I can't remember the exact context, but there was a time where he was just speaking to those who were doing professional ministry. Um, And then there was just a line at the end of his lecture and he realized, wow, you know, these people who are doing ministry full time don't have anybody to talk to. Um, and that's they need right. someone to talk to, and so you're you're really getting at that um, that those who are doing the ministry need someone to talk to, and sometimes that can be a trusted friend in the church. Um, sometimes it can be, you know, those who are doing ministry in a local church that's not your church, um, but that live nearby. Um, but but having someone who can um, be safe for you to be candid with, open with, talk to, and have them speak um, into your life uh, is, as you're saying, vitally important uh, for long term ministry. Um, so that's some some very good advice, again, about counseling. Is there anything you want to add to that as we start to close out?
0: Uh, Nothing jumps to mind, John. I mean, I, I could, if I really got my stuff together, and I got my stuff together for you, I probably could talk about this for an hour, but this is what I would say to those listening who, and I really honor and understand this, who are skeptical about counseling. For 15 years of my life, I helped hire teaching elders to go do RUF and probably 75% of those, we eventually had to ask, not, not demand the job wasn't on the line. We just had to, had to say, because when you're an RUF campus minister, you're moving to some pretty unique places. You don't exactly work for the local church. You work for the presbytery and everybody I asked to go to counseling would come back to me and say, man, that's the best thing we ever did. There's just something about being a minister who needs that. And I think that it's easy for us in the reform world to get in our head and say, well, I want a Christian counselor. Fair enough. But what you, what you need is someone to listen to you and help you think your thoughts about you. And I think that is, you know, one of the things I go back and tell my young self, John, from the other day, you need to get in counseling sooner. And there, there's a lot of heartache and pain that I brought on myself and my family, I think, that could have been a leave if I had started talking about loneliness and burnout and fatigue sooner. So mm-hmm. that'd be my parting shot.
1: I know I sound like a broken record but I do appreciate um, the counsel you've given over the last several days I appreciate you taking the the time out uh, to just share what the Lord has taught you in ministry and I pray that it's a blessing to others so thanks again for all this uh, time you've given us
0: Thanks John, great to be with you, look forward to doing it again sometime Absolutely Oh
1: come and buy without money Oh come and feast without